Welcome to the Revive Podcast with Pastor Jennifer Kofi. Be blessed as you listen to today's message. Hallelujah. Um, we want to enter into our word this morning. And I want to just ask us again, please, let's be on our feet as we take our key text or our base scripture for today. We'll read it together from Psalm 22, verse 31. Psalm 22, verse 31. And we're reading from the Amplified Version for a specific reason. Psalm 22, verse 31. Let's read. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born, that he has done it, and that it is finished. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of being called your own. Thank you because you speak and we hear. We know your voice, oh God. We, we have fellowship with you and that is such a privilege. This morning we have come before your feet, not to any man, not to anything but to you. And we open up our hearts Speak to us, O oh God. Bless us with your word. Transform our lives, O oh God. Let the light of your word enter into our hearts. Let it dispel every darkness. Let it empower us. Let it set us, O oh God, in a new plane in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus. And Lord God, I even bring myself under your hands. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable unto you, O oh God, my Lord and my Redeemer. Have your way today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Today is communion service, so we'll be taking the communion today. And so I just thought it's apt to preach a word that, is, um, that will lead us into the communion. Um, my subject today is it is finished. It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. And for many of us, I'm, these words are not new. These words sound very familiar. The phrase, it is finished, is a very familiar or common phrase with believers. We all know it. Why do we know it? Because Jesus spoke these words when he was hanging on the cross. In fact, it will be the last words he uttered before he died. It is finished. Hallelujah. But I decided to take it from the Old Testament because it puts a certain light on these words that maybe we have not held on to or maybe we have not seen before. In Psalm 22, we find that there are striking similarities or resemblance of the things we read in Psalm 22 to the things we see in Jesus' death, hallelujah. The very first line of Psalm 22 reads, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when you go back into the New Testament, when you go into Matthew chapter 27, when you go into John 19 and John 20, you will find that these are the words that Jesus began to utter when he was being crucified or when he was put on the cross. And so Psalm 22 is that um, scripture or that passage that we can look to and say, mm, David or the psalmist was speaking about something to come at a time where he could not have possibly naturally known that these things were going to come. Amen. 
It gives us a vision of just seeing Jesus hanging on the cross. Immediately you open Psalm 22. That's the first thing you see when you begin to read it. At a point in Psalm 22, it says, they insulted me. They said, save yourself. And these are things we read in, in Matthew 27. They said the same things. They said, ah, he saved many. He helped many. Why can't he save himself? Save yourself. Hallelujah. And so when you read Psalm 22, it gives you a view. It just gives you that vision of Jesus hanging on the tree and all that he went through, the suffering and all that he went through. Amen. Yet it does not leave it at that point. Psalm 22 does not just leave us at you know, Jesus hanging on the cross. When you go further into Psalm 22, you begin to hear about what the, 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 the result or the effect of that death, what it would be. And so you begin to hear that, oh, all people will know, even those who bow in death will praise him. And you begin to hear amazing things which point us to the fact that there would be something that would happen beyond the death of this man that the psalmist was talking about that at the time people did not know and did not know what, what would happen. Who is this? Who is going to die? There would be something that would happen even beyond his death. Hallelujah. In many other versions, when you read Psalm 22, verse 31, you may not get this import when you read the King James, when you read, you know, the NLT and all other versions. You just hear he has done this or you hear the miracles that he has done. But I appreciate the Amplified and I appreciate the Passion Translations because they parallel what happens into what is prophesied in Psalm 22 and they parallel it with the New Testament. And because of that, we are able to see exactly what was happening when David or the psalmist wrote these words hallelujah in John chapter 19 verse 30 we hear Jesus himself it says therefore when Jesus had received the sour wine he said it is finished and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit but the thing we have to understand is we begin to ask ourselves questions well, how would he have known? How would David or the psalmist, how would he have known that Jesus would come? At the time, if you do, you know, the, the Bible calculations and all, at least a thousand years is between when, they, when these psalms were recorded and when Jesus actually comes into the earth, at least a thousand years. And nobody lives that long. At least a thousand years are between when Jesus uttered, when the psalmist would write this prophecy and when Jesus would actually come. And we thank God because the records of the psalms were there before Jesus even came. It wasn't written after Jesus came. And so we understand that this psalm is messianic. In other words, God, by the, his own inspiration, opened up David's heart to begin to perceive what the redemption of man and what his plan for mankind is. That he will send a redeemer. He will send, he will send his son who would hang on a tree, who would die the horrific death so that people will not remain. So that even when we die in the body, we will be alive in the spirit and we will be with him for eternity. We understand that it's a beautiful picture that shows us prophecy and fulfillment. And makes us understand that God when he speaks will surely do what he says. 
if there's one great thing that we, uh, we look or we can understand by looking at Psalm 22 and then coming into the New Testament and reading the things and it's like, ah, these are exactly the things that Psalm 22 says, we would see that when God says a thing, he works it and he brings it to pass. His word does not fail. His word does not fail. His word does not fail. It even takes us further to begin to look at what was uttered in, in Genesis. Bible says, God said to them that the, the, the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. Which means that God had it in mind all along. And in Psalm 22, the psalmist has a revelation of how it would happen. How the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And God indeed, when we get into Matthew 27, or when we get into John 19, or in all the other Gospels, indeed this happens. This happens. So the words, it is finished. What are these words? These are the very last words that Jesus would utter before the Spirit. The Bible says he gave up his Spirit. There are versions, the Amplified says that he gave up his Spirit voluntarily. Nipeso. Nipeso. He, he decided that yes, and he gave up his spirit. No man could have taken his spirit. It wasn't sickness. It was a choice he had made. These are the very last words that Jesus spoke. For some of you that have lived a little longer, for almost all of us, you know that when a person is dying, what they say, that the last things they say are perhaps the most important things to them. Or perhaps those last words would hold a certain secret. That people on their dying beds who may not have said something, something that they kept a secret. We have heard stories of people who's, who, who did not disclose who the, the father or the mother of their children were until they were on their dying bed. So in the last moments of a person, they may utter words that will reveal a secret. That would give the living a key to something either something that they need them to do, something they, they, that would help them, or a secret that had been covered, but at that moment needs to be revealed. Hallelujah. In the dying words of any man, you would find the person's heart, or you would find the person's keys or secret, or you will find the person's de desires. And so it is important that we don't just read the last words of Jesus and read it as, oh, it is part of the story and move on. And if there is anything today, the fact that these words were also prophesied, the fact that the psalmist could also utter these words at least a thousand years before it actually happens means that there is something to note in these words. What does it mean? These words, it is finished. In the Old Testament, if you read carefully the trajectory of Psalm 22, it gives you the idea that the mission, the purpose for which this person died was accomplished. So when you read, by the time you read the last line of Psalm 22, you get the idea that, wow, something awesome happened. The person really fulfilled and so much more is happening because the person went through that suffering and the person actually died. You get that idea. In the New Testament as well, when we read it in John 19, we get that same idea that it's done, it's finished, the work has been accomplished, what you sent me for has been accomplished. In the Greek, the word finished is teleo, 
However, they had a common phrase in our time. We read it as English, it is finished. But in their time, this was a common phrase that people would use. If you brought your sacrifice to the altar, you traveled, you went to Jerusalem with your sacrifice, you are going to cleanse the sins of yourself and your family, you took that to your lamb or your sheep or whatever. When you get there, what would happen? The priest would have to take it. They would examine it. If it was good and there was no blemish, they would say the word um, tetelestire. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it well. But that was a common word they would say. And that word is what is translated into English. It is finished. If you had people working in your field or working for you and they had finished their work, they would come to you and they would say the same word, tetelestia. And that is to say, oh, the portion of the work you have given me or my day's work, I'm done with it. So it's, it's not the words Jesus uttered on the cross are not some strange words in their time. They weren't strange words. They were common words. They were common words to them. One strong, one other image that is so strong for this word is when you would go to buy something. You would go to buy something and they would give you a receipt. On their receipts, they would write this word. If you have paid it fully and you can take the receipt to go and claim the thing, they would write the same word, the same word, tetelestia, which is to say it is fully paid for. It is covered. It's done. You can give to the person what they are claiming because they've paid the price. And so Jesus hanging on the cross is saying all these things. Now let's go back even into the tense. In the, Greek, in the Greek, the tenses are a bit different from the way English. English, we have present tense, we have past tense. But in the Greek, they have something called the perfect tense. And the perfect tense means that the thing has been completed in the past. It has been done. However, what has been done has effect continually. So Jesus was literally, and that is the tense Jesus used when he spoke these words. So Jesus was saying, yes, it is done today. It is done tomorrow. It is finished forever. What I have done is fully, has covered it all. What I have done, I have finished what the Father sent me to do. I have achieved my goal. I have paid the price in full. Nothing else is there to be paid. Nothing else is there to be done. I have done it all. And he was saying, I have not just done it for a few years. I've not just covered it for a few years. No, it's, he says that, see, it is done forever. It is finished forever. It is accomplished forever. What I have done done has seals the deal you don't ever have to pay again the price has been paid in full 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 as I meditated on these words I came to the conclusion that the summary of the whole gospel is hidden in these words Imagining, I just imagine Jesus hanging from the cross, stained with blood, bruised everywhere. The nails in his hands, in his feet, his head scarred with the, the crown of thorns and, and he's thirsty. That's, he was thirsty, his, his, his throat was so parched. Because by this time, all the blood in him had drained and, and the water in him had, had come out and he was parched and that's why he was asking for a little water. And even so, they gave him vinegar. They did not give him water. And as Jesus is hanging there, 
He could have said something. He could have, he could have begun a long speech and he could have said, you know, I'm so, so great. See how I've died for you. If you people don't try and if you don't hold on to me and if you don't believe, then you go to, he could have done all of that, but he said these words simply, it is finished. It is accomplished. I have done it all. I have done it all. I have done it all. And I, I began to ask myself, so what is finished? What is finished? What has he accomplished? What has he done? Which, which, which the effect is for that moment that he did it, is for the year beyond, is even to our time, because we realize that when the psalmist declares this, he says, even to those who are yet to be born, Psalm 22 verse 31, it says, they shall come and shall declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born. But he has done it. That it is finished. That it is finished. It is no wonder that Jesus will hang on the cross and utter these words, but will utter it in a tense. That means that it is forever. In other words, when, when the psalmist was saying it, he was even saying it for you and I. He was saying it beyond even the time of Jesus. He says, those who are yet to be born, having seen all of these things, this man dying, those who are yet to be born will come and hear that he did it. He indeed did it. And he did it all. He paid it all. It is finished. I ask myself, as I meditated on these words, I ask myself, so what is finished? Because I don't want to miss out on anything that God has for me. What is finished? When you go to Luke chapter 4, Jesus comes into the temple. This is at the beginning of his ministry. He had come out of the wilderness, had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He was tempted. He overcame temptation. And by this time, he had come out and he began to preach and to teach. And one of the first things that Jesus would do was to enter into the temple or enter into the synagogue. And Bible tells us that when he entered, he took up the, the scroll or the, the, the scroll. And in verse um, 17 to 21 of Luke chapter 4, we hear him quote Isaiah. Quote Isaiah. In other words, Isaiah also prophesied this, and we hear Jesus state his mission. When any company is established, or even any, any of us sitting here, there's a goal you have for your life. There's a mission you're on. You, you craft it. Lena, maybe for your business, you have, you know, a certain mission or by, you have a mission statement. You have what it is that you are about as a business or as a person. And so Jesus comes and when he declares this, Bible says in the verse 17 of, of Luke chapter 4, it says, and the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Things don't happen by accidental. It says, and the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him and he opened the book and he found the place where it was written. In other words, he could have read Isaiah chapter 1. Or he could have gone and read Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. It's a nice passage, very powerful passage. But he found a place that related to him and to his mission. Bible says in the verse 18, he found the place where it was written. Verse 18, and in my Bible, I have it in quotation marks. In other words, it was lifted. It's a quote. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. 
he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Bible says in the verse 20, and he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Hallelujah. What Jesus has finished and what has accomplished is his, what he has accomplished is his mission for which he came on earth. Jesus came to preach the good news to the poor. He was anointed. In other words, he had unction for an assignment. And this assignment was that those who, the poor, who are the poor? Bible says that the poor in spirit, they are the ones who will have God, who will see God. These are people who have come to the place of brokenness, openness, and willing to receive him. He says he came to preach to them. He says he came to preach, proclaim the release of captives, those who were bound in the shackles of sin and death. Jesus came so that he would proclaim release to them. You are no longer bound. You no longer have to remain under that yoke. You are not under a yoke. According to Jesus' mission, this was what he came for. He came to proclaim release to captives. He came to to give recovery of sight to the blind. If you could not perceive spiritually, if your eyes were dim, if you were going through this life and you could not see your way and you could not find your left from your right and if you were tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and you had no discernment, Jesus said his coming was supposed to change that. For the people who have sat in darkness have received a great light. The glory of the Lord is risen upon us. This was the mission of God, of Jesus. He came to set those who were oppressed free. And he came to speak a favorable year of the Lord. Or if you would read it in other ways, he came to tell people of the return of Jesus. Of, of Jesus, yes. All these things are what Jesus said he had finished. This is what Jesus said I have accomplished. This is what I came to do and I have done exactly. He was saying, see, this was my assignment. Now I have left nothing done. I have paid the price fully. It is totally finished. It is complete. In John 1.29, we hear these, this phrase, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus came so that we don't have to bear sin, so that we don't have to carry the guilt of sin anymore. He came to wash it away. In fact, the New Testament says it has been blotted out. The blood of Jesus has blotted out every handwriting that was against you, every sin that could ever speak against you. The blood of Jesus has blotted out, blotted it out. It is powerful enough to do that. This is what Jesus finished. In 1 John 3, 5, it says, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. In Luke 19, 9 and 10, it says, and Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he too is the son of Abraham. And he was talking to, um, to, 
to Zacchaeus at this time. Verse 10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is what Jesus accomplished when he said it was finished. In 1 John 3, 8, it says, The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And then my emphasis is, The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. The works of the devil don't have power over you. Jesus finished it on the cross. He appeared to destroy the works of the devil. In John 10, 10, popular, we say it all the time. It says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It says, but I have come that you would have life. And not just have life, but that you would have it abundantly. Jesus came to give us life. And to give us abundant life, it is fulfilled. It is done. In Isaiah 53, we get a picture of what his hanging on the cross and his dying and suffering, what it was supposed to accomplish. And I believe that when Jesus said it is finished, he was saying that even Isaiah 53 has been fulfilled. What does it say in Isaiah 53 from verse 4? It says, however, it was our sicknesses that he himself bore and our pains that he carried. Yet we ourselves assumed that he had been afflicted for many people, that is where we are. When we think about Jesus on the cross, all we think of, oh, oh, Abreu, oh, yes, Abreu. That's all we think of. We don't link it back to us. We don't understand that what Jesus did was for our sake. That is why the psalmist said in, in Psalm 22 that for a people yet to be born, it will be declared that he has done it and it is finished. It says, for us, he bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains. While he was doing that, we were saying, oh, he's afflicted. Man said, he's struck down by God and he's humiliated. But verse 5 says, but he was pierced for our offenses. If man had not fallen, Jesus would not have died. There would have been no need. There would have been no need. He could have sat and been in his eternal state of glory. But he came down because of you and I, our offenses. But he was pierced for our offenses. He was crushed for our wrongdoings. The punishment of our well-being was laid upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the wrongdoing of us all to fall on him, to fall on himself. When you go to verse 11 of, of Isaiah 53, it says, as a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, for he will bear their wrongdoings. Jesus came so that you and I would be justified, and on the cross he said it is done. Jesus came so that you don't have to carry the sickness on the cross. He said it is done. 
Jesus came so that you don't have to carry your pain, the chastisement of your peace, your, trouble, your troubles, all the anxiety. You don't have to carry it. That is why he came. And on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. Not that, oh, I've come to do my part. Jesus was not only talking to himself or applauding himself or patting himself on the back. Oh, what a great job. Jesus was talking to you and I. If he wasn't talking to you and I, he would have used the past tense. Maybe I've done my part. But he used the, the perfect tense to tell us that it will affect you and I. It will affect generations. It will affect men and women until the end of the ages. It is finished. It is finished. It is done. It is done. It is done. It is finished. It is finished. I was, I was praying. I was praying for this church and I, I, would, I didn't have a vision, an open vision. My eye did not open. But God released a scripture in my heart and literally said to me, this is, these are the people of God today. He took me to Acts chapter 28. In Acts chapter 28, we see the story of Paul. Paul had gone and preached Jesus to a people who did not know Jesus. In fact, when he got to their island, he saw a sign, a sign that said, to an unknown God. On the basis of this, Paul began to craft his message and, and his approach to these people. And he preached a message. And these people were getting into the message like, yeah, okay, that's what this is about. Oh, okay, uh, that's, the, that's the unknown God that we are serving. God Almighty, Jesus, oh, okay. And they were getting into it. And then at night, they had to sit down and they gathered sticks and they gathered firewood and they set fire so that they could sit around it. And what happens? Bible says that a snake came out of the fire and latched onto Paul's hand. And God literally was walking me through. That is how I came to this message. Was walking me through what is happening to his people. He says, people have come to me. They mention my name. They pray every now and then. And because of that fire, things, the enemy reacts. Every time there is fire, every time God, there is a, there is a, a, a possibility of your true relationship with God. See, the enemy will come, will show up. He will show up strong. He said, these are my people. And it looks as though things are holding on to them. Attacks of the enemy. Pains and, and things that, that shouldn't be. Paul had just preached. And these people were turning or they were beginning to get it. They were like, oh, wow. Ah, we didn't know that. Okay, so what you're saying is the unknown God that we are worshiping is really God. And through Jesus, we can get to and in that moment, the enemy wants to dilute and destroy all the work that Paul had done and all that God wanted to accomplish on that island. And so Bible says a snake came out. And because of the people's superstition, they began to say, hey, and the guy cried, he's not real or not true. Ah, if this person is not a murderer, can this thing happen? All of us are sitting here. All of us were going. All of us went to carry the stick some. No snake has touched anybody, only this man who came and was telling us things about some Jesus. 
But Bible says, Paul did not panic. Paul did not say, oh, me wo. Paul did not say, oh, what is happening? No, because he's given us all authority. It says, nothing shall by any means harm us. Is that not what Jesus said? He says, we shall, we shall walk on serpents and scorpions. He says, you will even take poison. It will not do anything to you. And in that moment, I believe that those scriptures were running through Paul. And Paul just shook it back into the fire. The next time you have an attack, would you please shake that attack into the fire of it is finished? Because Jesus has done it. He has provided the means. It, when he declared it is finished, that was a victory chant. That was a victory cry Jesus was saying. Not just for himself, but for all of us. Because by him, many sons have been brought into glory. And God said, yes, there may be attacks. Yes, your church may not be full. Yes, people might talk. But the next time anything comes up, Tell your people to shake it into that fire. I am all they need and I'm already there. The fire is already there. Shake it back into that fire. It is finished. The next time something shows up, tell it that Jesus has done it all. You don't understand. I understand that when Jesus hung on the cross and he said it is finished, it includes this. It includes this problem I'm facing and I'm looking at. It includes this sickness. It includes my marriage. It includes my business. It includes the person who I know and I've known for so long and has not given their lives to Christ. When you meet that person, tell the person, I know your heart is hard, but it is finished. I speak it over you. It is finished. Jesus has done it. Jesus has done it. This morning, I just want to land here. Next week, I might take it further and just begin to look at what has really happened to us. If, it in, if indeed it is finished, we will begin to look at Paul's words. Paul will tell us that we have been reconciled back to God. Paul tells us that sin no longer has dominion over us. Even guilt, it doesn't have. Paul will tell us that we have become joint heirs with Christ. Tell us that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. That is what has happened to you because Jesus did it all. But for the lack of knowledge, or perhaps for the lack of faith, we are not living that life. But I believe that we are nearing the end. And God is calling out an army of people who know him and who know who they are in him. A people who will be filled with his power. I was just imagining this morning as I was just pondering over my notes and just speaking in my small tongues. I was so tired. And just speaking, I was just imagining what happened on the day of Pentecost. Bible says, Jesus, Jesus, I told them, wait, 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 and you will be endued with power. And these people were gathered in the room. It says 120 people gathered in an upper room, and they were there. And Bible says they were ministering to the Lord. And Bible tells us that in their ministering to the Lord, what Jesus told them would come, came. He does not lie. The same way the Holy Spirit descended, the same way that promise is fulfilled or was fulfilled is the same way the things about the end and the return of Jesus will be fulfilled. It will be fulfilled. It will be fulfilled. As they were there, this promise of the Father, which is part of the it is finished because Bible tells us that it is by him that we have received the Holy Spirit. 
this promise came on them. And these men, Peter, who had once denied Jesus not too long ago, not, not long ago, this Peter began, all he had to do, he didn't have to do any gimmicks. He began to preach. He began to talk about Jesus. He began to tell them that this is the Jesus you crucified. The person who has given us this power and the fact that you can hear us in your, di different, your, di your different languages is this Jesus. And he begins to walk them through from the time of Abraham through to Moses and walks them through even to Jesus that was crucified and how indeed he's resurrected and he's not in the grave and he's seated above. And he tells them that it is this Jesus that, that, that gave us the Holy Spirit. And he quotes Joel 2 and he says that, that, you know, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And this and this and this and this will happen. And when Peter was preaching about Jesus, I was just thinking about how, how, how potent this it has finished is. Because Peter did not have to do a sign first. Or a miracle simply preaching Jesus the people began to cry and say hey what can we do that we would be saved and I was saying to myself you know what sometimes we we put too much burden on ourselves oh I have to be I have to have everything in place oh da, da, da. no all he had to do was preach this Jesus who had proclaimed that it is finished and in that name these words that Peter was speaking were potent enough. Why was it potent? Because the work it's supposed to do has been accomplished already. And on that day, 5,000 people turned to Jesus Christ. It is finished. My brother, my sister, God said to tell you that it is finished. And I know that you may be asking me this morning in your heart, that, but I can see the problem. Pastor, you said it is finished. It is, it is finished. It is finished. I have issues at home. I have issues at work. I don't have money. I am sick. I want a child. You can list the problems and I'm sure you're looking at them and you're saying it is finished. But Pastor, talk about the, the gap, you know, the gap between what Jesus did and where I am because it, it, it's finished for Jesus but it's not finished for me. I know some of you are saying that. But I want to ask, I also want to ask you a question. I also want to ask you a question. When Jesus was hanging on the cross with the crown of thorns on his head, the hole, the nail was inside his hand. They hadn't pulled him down. He was tired. He was thirsty. Jesus, who is the wells of living waters, he was thirsty. He wanted water to drink. When he was hanging there and dying, did it look like it, it is finished? Did it look like it is finished? When Jesus was hanging on that cross, bruised and battered, he looked like a criminal that man could dispose of. That's what he looked like. I want to ask you, when Jesus was hanging there and he was declaring it is finished, did it look like it was finished? No, but it was finished. So when that thing comes against you, do like what Jesus did. You may see the scars. The blood may be coming. 
the doctor's report may be bad. <laughs> Look, you can, you can see all the signs. Everything looks bad. But be like Jesus and declare what God has done. Because if Jesus could say it is finished at that moment where everybody thought, oh, ah, how could he not just get down? Look at the miracles he did. He raised the dead. This guy is hanging there. They are killing him. He will not get down from that tree. But Jesus said, see, it is in these scars. It is in these wounds that it is finished. The way that God will prove to you and to others that it is finished, it is in your scars. It is in your wounds. It's in the things you go through. That is how. How else would you, how else would we know that it is finished? If you don't walk through those places and come out on the other side and look back and say, yeah, really, that was not the stop. That was not the end. That was just part of it to show forth his glory. How would anybody know? How would you be a testimony? How would you be a testimony? And so when it comes up again, when that sickness threatens in your body again, when you don't have the answers, when you're in a place where you're confused, and these are things, legitimate things we go through, I present to you the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is that he accomplished it all. He didn't accomplish it then. He accomplished it for forever. It is finished. Your sins are taken away. The sickness is taken away. That, 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 that place of oppression, that cage that you, you may think that you are in, it is finished. And even looking at those things, I want something in you to rise up. Let the Jesus Christ that you have believed, let the Holy Spirit that you have received, let him quicken you to begin to declare it is finished. Jesus has accomplished all these. Jesus won over this. Jesus gave me victory over this. It is finished. The next time you get into prayer, the next time you want to talk about those things with God, I want you to begin to allow God to pray through you and to speak to those things and declare the truth to them. Thank you for listening to today's message. We're sure you were blessed. Let's get interactive also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ICGC Revival Temple. Connect with Pastor Jennifer on YouTube and all her other social media handles. God bless you.